my approach has really been trying to build a career in this industry and not just make as much money as I can each month or each year. And I feel like it's been a very slow build for me. Um, you know, in the first three, four years, we're slow but steady. But I feel like that ba- built me a nice foundation. And it also then allows me now to not feel like I have to close every single client or push them to buy a house immediately because I have a decent an- amount of network of clients and referral sources and, and realtor partners to where I don't feel that need to push as much. And I feel like then con- like as a result, it ends up being a better closing ratio probably than most. All right. Welcome back to the Pursuit of Property podcast. Today, Scott and I, we are really happy to welcome back our really great friend, mortgage lender over at Nexa here in Fresno, David Keller. Dave, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing fantastic, guys. Went to yoga this morning at six, so sweated out all my demons. I took a shower, so I smell good now. And I'm feeling (laughs) great. I'm excited to be on the podcast again. Dude, repeat guest. I think at this point, you may, you and Jason may be the two the two highest uh, repeat guests. Sweet. Look at that. And for a reason, bro. For a reason. Thank I know, um, dude, I think the premise of why we wanted to have you come back on was over the past couple months, the three of us have had more than a few kind of coffee get-togethers just to kind of check in and hang out because outside of business, we're all really good friends. Yeah. And I think just the conversations that have come from those meetings is really what we wanted to have you come in here and talk about. Because I think from the beginning of the year, Scott and I obviously took a lot from you. I think we're definitely in a better spot mentally, business-wise than we were at the beginning of the year. And I don't think that's a mistake (laughs) from surrounding ourselves with good friends and and people like you, dude. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what we want to talk about and chop up today, dude. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to just talk. Yeah, I feel like the last couple of times it's been a little bit more structured. There's been an idea as to what we were going to talk about. So I'm excited to kind of just let the, the conversation flow. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I mean, when we were sitting down um, at the beginning of the year, I feel like we were all very stressed about what was going to happen. And I feel like we spent a lot of time worried about things that didn't come to fruition. I feel like we were all very concerned that the market was going to continue on a, a slide that we had seen, like we had talked about before the pod from October to December. And it I, it's rebounded from what I can see in a lot of ways. Um, and it, it lends the ability now for us to kind of look back and analyze where we were at and kind of the flaws in our thinking in preparation for the upcoming October to December kind of stretch that I suspect could be very similar to last year. Yeah. No, I, I remember, I mean, yeah, we've obviously we check in, you know, whether it's on the podcast or just us hanging out and talking, but I, I remember the conversations we were having in the fall of last year headed into, you know, the winter. And then at the beginning of the year, just, I vividly remember that conversation we had, we were at Sherwood, uh, the golf yeah. course talking. And I was just like, <laughs> what's going on with you guys? Like, how are you feeling? Cause the the energy that you guys had that I was normally used to, and I feel like this is true not just for you guys, for a lot of people, myself as well, trying to stay kind of mentally and emotionally locked in and uh, in, a, in a balanced space when there's so much noise and so much negativity and uncertainty, it's difficult no matter what kind of industry you're in. But I'd say especially for real estate in the last 12 months, it's really been... Uh, 
it gets overused to say it's been a roller coaster, but I mean, it really has. It's been a lot of ups and downs and a lot of uncertainty, but it is, it's interesting looking back and seeing how things actually progress versus what our mood was like in January. Yeah. Coming into the year, because I think we played at Sherwood sometime in February. Does that sound right? I think it may have even been January. I'll have to look and yeah. see. And I remember that conversation and, and you know what, like we had showed up both Kate and I were just very frustrated with what was going on, had a lot of internal battles about willingness to continue uh, the way that we were, which in the long run was the right thing to consider. Like what we were doing wasn't working, but at the same time, I think we, we focused on a lot of the wrong things. You shared a lot of helpful tips. I mean, right off the bat, what comes to mind was you were talking about getting out more, spending time with friends, doing things we liked. Well, I feel like you were ahead of the curve on that. Did you feel like that or did you feel like you were also behind? Uh, I think that I maybe had just been realizing that that truth of maybe a, a few weeks or a month or so before I was sharing that. I think that it, it's interesting for me because you guys have known me for a while. I've known you guys for a, little, for a while as well. And so when I started in real estate, I had to always be out and about. I had to be meeting people. I didn't have any connections established. And so I was oftentimes, you know, going to meetings and going to mixers and, you know, going to events and such. So at the end of last year, around October, when I was really struggling, that's when I actually got connected with uh, a mutual friend of ours, Johnny Hernandez, um, and he was going to be involved in the YPN. So here's a shameless plug for the Fresno YPN. But uh, I ended up having coffee with him and a few of the realtors, and I just really enjoyed it. And then he invited me to get involved in the YPN that coming year, which I, I at the time I really didn't want to. Mm. And as I thought about it, I was like, you know, I think this is a great, you know, this is a great thing to push me to go out more, meet more people, be more active in the industry. Because after COVID, it was easy to transition to being very much more work from home, being remote, which there's obviously beautiful components to that. And I'm not saying I need to be in the office every single day, but I know for my personality, I need to be around other people who have good energy, who have good ideas, who can encourage me, challenge me, you know, challenge my ideas when I might be off base, encourage the right ideas or the right thinking and habits. And so I had seen what was working for me over, you know, the previous few months that had been very difficult in my business. And I, yeah, I, I saw a lot of people that were struggling with, I think what I had struggled with as well, which it's when you're not feeling well and you haven't been out and about it's very hard to then start doing that. Like it's very hard. I think struggling with that anxiety and that kind of depression and frustrations, uncertainty, it's, you're not really in the headspace where you feel like that's the solution. But I think oftentimes what you don't want to do, not always, but oftentimes if something seems difficult or daunting, it oftentimes is kind of what you probably need to do to Mm -hmm. get through whatever you're struggling with. Well, and those frustrations and those struggles you're talking about at, for you that hit the most, you know, kind of that Q4, that tail end of last year. Talk more like, are were the struggles more internal pertaining to, you know, the amount of business wasn't where you were at? Is Was it more, you know, on a personal side, on a personal level, things were going crazy? Like what, what really was kind of going through your head? Uh, yeah, so great question. I would say a little bit of everything, right? So uh, on a personal level, uh, I had a relationship uh, that was progressing to the next stages, which it has, I'm engaged now. Um, So that was something that was happening at the end of the year. So I'm watching the market shift. I had an assistant that I was paying. I was like, this isn't profitable anymore. So I had to 
end a working relationship with a, a assistant who was also a friend. He should become who a you friend. you really liked. Yeah, I absolutely yeah. did. And so I had felt, and I had lots of conversations with you guys about that. I think the day even I went to go talk to her, I had a call with you and I was yeah. like, man, I'm really struggling with this. Like, I feel really guilty. I feel like I'm failing my assistant because I'm not making enough business for us. And it was like, that's not what's happening. So I think a lot of it was me having to sort through the complicated emotions that, you know, personally and professionally, I was feeling like a failure. I was feeling like I it was all my fault. I had been reckless. I hadn't been working hard enough. The reason that we weren't getting deals and closing things and I couldn't keep her on payroll, um, I felt responsible for her. I felt responsible for helping her pay her bills. And so I think I just put so much pressure on myself that it just felt very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And when I did then eventually talk to her, it got better, right? So once I confronted that and I sat down with her, she was like, oh, I expected this to come. And I was able to then help her get a job at one of my previous companies so she could start you know, building her own business, which you know has worked out. She's closed some loans um, and we stay in contact. So that's been great. And then I would say, yeah, on a personal level, I was thinking, am I irresponsible to propose to my girlfriend, now fiance, if my business seems like it's sputtering or, you know, it's it's not going to continue to progress the way that I would expect. So I think there was just a lot of self-doubt, a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty, um, kind of all wrapped into personal, professional, emotional, and, and I'd say physical as well. I wasn't getting out and being as active or doing yoga, doing, you know, walking. There's just certain things that I know I need to do for myself that that nourish my body and soul. And so I had to really reset a lot of things of my of my habits and my routines in I would say October, November. Um, and it I, I feel like it's really paid off. You know, I look back now, I'm like, wow, I'm so glad I did that. But yeah. I think I had gotten off a lot of my habits and r rituals and routines that I knew worked for me. And there was so much pressure, you know, around, you know, my career and my personal life. Kind of everything was just feeling very overwhelming at that time. Yeah. I mean, it, I hear you saying that like when you leaned into the resistance of those hard conversations and and starting to do the things that, like you said, they're difficult to start when you don't feel good. That mm -hmm. that seemed to work out very well for you. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, I, I heard, so there was a quote just I heard the other day, I think I sent it to you guys, but it was Mike, a Mike Posner video, but he was basically saying, my old measure of success was if I'm just happy, if everything is exactly how I want it to be in my personal, professional life or whatever, is everything going exactly the way I want it to be? Is everything in order? And he said, the new measure of success is whether or not you can continually bounce back when you get upset or frustrated or you know tragedy befalls you or your job is hard or the market shifts, whatever it might be. Are you able to, you know, pull yourself back from where you're at and get yourself back into a, a healthy space? Mm -hmm. And I think when I look at my life in that way, I go, wow, I am really resilient. I do have grit. I have the ability to reset myself. And it's not just me. I have great people around me. I have a really wonderful fiance and friends and family that encourage me. But yeah, you, you have to be able to get yourself back from that space. And that's where, I mean, yeah, I, I've seen a lot of friends in the industry and out of the industry struggle with that over the last three years, I'd say, especially there's just been so many opportunities to be overwhelmed, I'd say, in the last three years. Yeah. Well, dude, I this is a perfect segue because you've been probably the person who verbalized this in the best way to where it at least clicked with me the most. And I think it was back on that same time on the golf course we were talking about at the beginning of the year. But you mentioned the word guilt, right? And as, you know, people who are self-employed or business owners where, you know, obviously our income generating activities are directly tied to the, the income we're getting, right? Mm -hmm. But with that, 
with being self-employed comes a lot of flexibility. I mean, that's why we were able to be out at the golf course on a random Tuesday in the first place, right? But you said something to us that was, it, it was eye-opening for me and it was hard to kind of accept that. Mm-hmm. But, you, but you were like, dude, the, doing these things and, and going out like this, it this is why we do what we do to be able to be able to go out and do this. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because that's yeah. where kind of the light switch was for me with kind of the guilt going away and just feeling like, hey, this is why we do what we do. Yeah, I mean, so my background, I mean, we've talked, I think, extensively. I don't think I've talked about on the podcast a lot about my work history, but um, I I worked in the restaurant business for a long time. So shout out, Scott, we have that in common. So worked in the restaurant business for like seven and a half years. Then I worked in the car business for a little over two years. And so I think I had worked in, in positions, obviously, I, I wasn't ever self-employed, right? You know, I was I had people tell me where to go, where to be, what to do. Um, but I was a, always a hard worker. I always tried to show up extra. I tried to work hard, get promoted, get those opportunities. Um, but w- when you have a manager who's telling you when to be somewhere and when not to be somewhere, it also, you feel less guilty when you're not at work because you're not scheduled to be at work. When you're, when you're self-employed and you're responsible for yourself, uh, I mean, I, I posted, I think, a, a little note that I had had a, f- a few weeks ago, and it was just that you will be your own worst boss. And I think that's very true that when there's nobody checking you and making sure that HR is involved in those conversations with yourself about how often you're working or what you're doing or your days off, it starts to become kind of a, a, a really unhealthy, I think, dynamic for a lot of people, especially when things aren't you know, going necessarily as well as they might want them to be. When business is struggling and it's difficult and there's uncertainty, it's very easy to think that the solution is just to white knuckle it and just work as hard as you possibly can. And the problem is that when you're in that headspace, you're not attracting the kind of people and interactions that are actually gonna get you where you wanna go. And if you're in sales and you meet with a client or you get a referral, the likelihood that you're gonna connect to them on a genuine level if you're not enjoying your own self and your own life and your job because you're just trying to push through it as hard as you can and just work so hard, I don't think you're gonna have a high percentage of actually helping that client and connecting with them and, and giving them a good experience to where they're going to want to work with you. So it's kind of, I think, all connected in one, um, that if you don't care for yourself and for each person, that's going to look different in terms of, you know, exercise, yoga, journaling, you know, um, devotionals, meditating, whatever it might be, you have to find out what those things are that keep you feeling good, you know, within reason, not that you should just seek pleasure above all things, but you have to find those things that are going to keep you feeling healthy and good and fulfilled because you're not going to have anything to give to those around you, your significant others, your friends, your clients, business partners, if you're just scraping the bottom of the barrel and just white knuckling it through. It's You don't have anything left to give. Yeah, I feel like there's moments where it's worth burning the candle at both ends, but it's rare. And I think all three of us have the tendency to, to lean into burning the candle from both ends before we have the tendency to to acknowledge that maybe taking a step back and, and giving your body time to recover, more importantly, your mind time yeah. to recover, um, that could be a better solution, right? And so I lean into that still. I still struggle with the idea of taking time off. Um, yeah. You push us to do it. Sometimes like those coffees that we have, you know, that is my time away. And we still talk about work and obviously we work with you actively on a lot of things, but it's not work. It's hanging out with friends, right? Yeah. And I've tried 
to implement that more and more. I mean, you've even seen it. You, you keep mentioning it to me when I see you. But overall, I'm just in a better headspace because I'm trying more to do what you're talking about, setting time aside to do things that I like to do mm-hmm. that will allow me to feel better when I'm at work doing things that I don't want to do. So I'm grateful for, for that kind of almost like big brother, uh, you know, mentorship in that aspect. It seems like there's not really a lot of people who um, give us that kind of advice. Well, and I'm curious because we've gotten a lot of, we've already said it, we've gotten a lot of that advice from you. Mm-hmm. Was there at at any point, tail into last year, anybody that was having the same conversations you've been having with us, was there anybody having those conversations with you? Or are, did you spend that time... He's more self-reflective learning? than we I, are. I know. <laughs> um, I, I I think somewhat. I mean, I would say that I think definitely um, having a, a fiance who loves me and cares for me, and she, she is definitely um, not the type A personality. I think she's a bit more type B. And while I wouldn't consider myself a type A personality in most regards, I would say that I definitely tend towards the more workaholic behavior I think I have for most of my life. I mean, I was cutting my neighbor's yards at like seven, eight, nine years old, making little clip art, you know, on like Word documents, little flyers and mowing neighbor's lawn so I could pay for things. And I I was almost always doing something to make money and work since I was under 10 years old. You know, I think I got my first W2 at like 12 or 13. So like I was always wanting to work, always wanted to make money, always wanted to provide for myself and have opportunities. And so I think I, for my whole life, it feels like I've just really tended towards working too hard. I think that my experiences in the car business really shaped me because I had them young, right? Well, at least for me in my age. So I, I got into the car business at what, um, I got into the car business in 2014, which I would have been 23 years old, which is pretty young. And I had found some good success, but over those two years, I burned myself out so so badly. I was also married at that time, and that that marriage did not survive. That wasn't the only reason, but that marriage didn't survive that experience of me working to that level. And so I think I have such a bad taste in my mouth of knowing what it's like to fly too close to the sun mm-hmm. and and what happens when you just push yourself to that limit that I've always tried to keep myself in check, whether or not that is I'm successful in that. That's a different thing. But I think I've always been very aware since that experience. It's, it was like, what, seven years ago now of what happens when I just pursue work and my career so much over everything else and there's no balance. And it's a huge reason why I chose to get into lending when I did because I wanted that flexibility. I wanted to not have to be tied to a desk you know, for eight to 10, 12 hours every day. I didn't want to have to be at the beck and call of my manager. I didn't want to have to, you know, there were, there was just so many constraints and difficulties that I didn't like. And so I think I've always tried to craft my career around flexibility. Um, this, my success at doing that, you know, varies from month to month, day by day. But I, I feel like it's been something that's always been in my mind. And then I think I've had some people around me that, yeah, would encourage me to try to relax and take a break and set down work and step away. Um, my fiance and I have a weekly date night. So that's a big thing is that we try to take our phones and put them on silent or airplane mode and, and just get a break away from everything. Because if I let myself, I will be in the background of my mind thinking about work every hour of every day. Doesn't matter where I'm at, if I'm vacation, whatever. I will think about it all the time. I was thinking of how I'm going to have conversations during yoga. And this morning I was like, 
look, you have one hour, just push it out of your mind. You're going to handle that in a couple hours, but it's, it's always there. And so I think that's just always a constant struggle for me. Yeah. Kale and I took that date night from you directly and it's Wednesdays for you, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Like we literally moved our date night to Wednesday because we had tried it on a Thursday and it wasn't working Mm -hmm. and Friday wasn't working. We always had plans. Yeah. And that's been a big benefit for us. So thank you there. I'll have to um, give credit to uh, to my fiance Sadie, because that was her idea to start a date night about a year and a half ago. Uh, yeah, was it a year and a half ago? When she went back to school. Yeah, when she went back to school, she was the one that told me we should do that. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It was gonna, actually two years ago. I'm going to text her. Thank you. Yeah, do it. No, I, I think the other part to it is you've always had a good closing ratio, like at work. Like I noticed that when I send you leads, you close a lot of them. But I feel like this year, even more than previous years, you're closing even more. And it seems like there's a correlation between your mental health and taking time to do things that you like mm-hmm. and clients connecting with you on like a friendship level to the point where they're they're loyal all the way through. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel like we've talked lots about our approaches to business and how we connect with clients. I feel like I want it to be, I've always wanted it to be a consult, like a con- consultative approach. Um, I think that's a big reason why like the car business didn't really work for me. I wasn't working at like a high end dealership. I was selling, you know, Hyundais and then Fords and it's much more volume than it is finesse. And so I, I, I still was a little bit more finesse style taking less opportunities or less ups as they call it in the car business. I, I felt like I tried to focus on quality over quantity. Um, and that's something that I feel like, feel like I've taken into this industry as well as I, I don't try to know every single realtor and work with every single realtor. I try to find certain realtor partners where we have similar ideals and we align in terms of how we wanna work a transaction and communicate. And then when it comes to connecting with clients, I do try to feel like I wanna connect with them and get to know them on a genuine level and then hopefully then help them get to where they actually wanna go. Um, and I, it's funny because it is, it is I think, truly for their benefit, but then you think of anything altruistic. It's like, even if I'm selfish, if you take care of somebody, it's much more likely that in the long run, they're going to use you again for another transaction or refer you a friend or family. And so my approach has really been trying to build a career in this industry and not just make as much money as I can each month or each year. And I feel like it's been a very slow build for me. Um, you know, in the first three, four years, we're slow but steady. But I feel like that ba- built me a nice foundation. And it also then allows me now to not feel like I have to close every single client or push them to buy a house immediately because I have a decent an- amount of network of clients and referral sources and, and realtor partners to where I don't feel that need to push as much. And I feel like then, con- like as a result, it ends up being a better closing ratio probably than most. Yeah. Well, dude, in... Obviously, right now, we're coming up towards the end of summer. Obviously, we know that you are a little bit ahead of the curve with some of these feelings we've been talking about, you know, last year as we were getting into fall and winter time with kind of the position the market is in now, the now position you are in mentally, physically, both personal and business wise. What are your feelings towards you know q4 coming up towards the end of this year are you nervous at all are you confident are you fearful what's kind of your thoughts and feelings as we kind of exit the summer and head into the fall and winter um i think that good question i think that i I don't feel as really nervous or anxious about the end of the year to be honest i would say though 
um, to compared especially to last year, you know, yeah. August, September, usually like this, I mean, surprise, surprise, the summer is a busy time for me, right? So June, July, August are usually historically throughout the last few years been pretty good and pretty busy. Um, but when I look into the, the remainder of the year, I just, I'm thinking like, okay, I remember where rates were at a year ago and then the increase that we had through the end of the year. That was just so discouraging for myself and I think for a lot of our clients and realtors that we worked with, people in the industry. Right now, I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, people are still buying and selling houses. They're still doing things and the rates really have almost never been higher. They, they're higher, depending on the day, now even than they kind of got to in October, November of last year or just as high. And so obviously, there's going to be maybe a smaller pool of people who are looking to buy a property or sell a property, but they're still doing it. And so I feel confident that I'll still be able to help those people. I feel confident in my skill set. I feel confident in the tools that I've added in the last 12 months that really change what kind of products and situations uh, I can help people you know, navigate through, what kind of problems I can solve. So I think I feel a lot more confident actually this year headed into the slow, you know, slower season than I did last year. Um, I, I definitely am anticipating that it's going to slow down some from where the summer has been, but I don't think I'm nearly as nervous as I was last year when there's just so much uncertainty and rates were ju just looked like they wouldn't ever stop climbing, you know, from August through the end of the year. It just felt very kind of gloomy. What are you going to do differently this winter than what you did last winter? Um, so I would say for me, the, the biggest thing I'm doing differently is just being very, very consistent with my habits, right? So I've gotten much more dialed in with my daily, my daily rituals, my to-do list, my written to-do list, which I feel like I'm really big on, which I never liked before walking, you know, meeting consistently with realtors, going to new offices. So I think pretty, there's a lot of things I'm going to be doing differently, but it, it, from the bottom up, my business is very different. I would say this year than last year. I also think that me being involved uh, in every facet of it and not having an assistant has given me certain benefits because I think that working in the restaurant business for as long as I did, my customer service did get pretty, you know, good. I think I got good at, at handling, you know, problems and being able to resolve conflict and, you know, give a good experience to a client. So I'm just really trying to maximize that kind of experience for my clients and for the realtors that I work with. Um, I, we have a meeting scheduled next week where I'm planning on trying to, okay, how can I automate more things? How can I free up more time and make sure even less things ever slip through the cracks and I get my follow up and CRM all dialed in. So, um, I want to tighten up some of the screws on the, on the ship a little bit and kind of just refine some things. And then I'm just going to keep hitting the ground hard in terms of going out to events, meeting with people, meeting new realtors, going to lunch, going to coffee. I think I got a lot out of that routine when I had an assistant. And honestly, through COVID times, I got really burnt out. I had such little energy. It was incredible to have so much business and to have so many people buying and refinancing. I had my best year in 2021, which I think a lot of people in the industry did in the mortgage business. So that was awesome. But I think it kind of left me with a little bit of a like hangover from just how exhausted I was because the market was, it was so crazy. Uh, in terms of trying to get appraisals done and getting conditions handled and people's jobs shutting down mid escrow. And there was just so many things going on that were so stressful and uncertain that yes, it was a successful financial year, but I would say emotionally uh, and spiritually, I was feeling very, very empty the, you know, in October of last year. And so I think by re, you know, kind of pouring back into myself, the people around me having those consistent relationships and, and getting myself re 
energy, like the, everything I was telling you guys, I think I've been trying to really practice for the last nine, 10 months. And I see a huge difference in my mental health, my energy, um, just all of those things. So I think it's definitely adding a couple of little things, but more so just maintaining the momentum that I've already kind of started over the last nine months or so. Yeah. I look back, I hold a lot of regrets on how I handled that slowdown. It was an opportunity, like what you said, where you could recover from the burnout. Because mm-hmm. I was experiencing my best year ever last year. And, you know, looking at the PL was great because it was like, oh, dang, like I did really well. At the same time, I had some kind of a standard I had set for myself to continue to double my income. Mm-hmm. And I could feel the pressure building that nobody else was putting on me but myself. I think coming into this winter, I'm I'm looking at it more from like a space of peace and knowing that whatever happens will happen and it will figure itself out. Mm-hmm. And knowing, just like what you said, it doesn't mean you don't work, but it doesn't mean that you work like what you're saying, that white knuckling, like that didn't work. And that's never really worked in the past. And so I'm hoping that if this winter slows down the way that it did last year, the idea is that it gives me an opportunity to actively rest, you know, and they, they talk about it in sports, like you intentionally take time to rest, but I never really do that in my business. And I'm hoping Mm -hmm. that if the market does change for the worse, which there's always a possibility, I'll be more conscientious of that going in and more self-reflective on what am I doing to be prepared because the market does come back. It always comes back. Well, and I think that's at the core of basically everything, you know, it can be boiled down to, right, is is taking things into the controllables and the uncontrollable, right? And yeah. being able to be aware enough to recognize what is in our control and what is out of our control mm-hmm. and the the feelings, the stress, the depression, all of those things more often than not are stemming from the uncontrollables than the stuff that's in our control. So yeah. I think being able to keep that front of mind, especially is what we're talking about, you know, going into just seasonally a slower season in our industry, you know, throughout these next couple months is just keeping that front of mind. Yeah. Well, is there anything, and I'm kind of reversing the question for you guys, and you've kind of already answered a little bit, but is there anything in particular that you feel like you're wanting to put on your, you know, radar or your schedule or routine through the end of the year? I know for you guys, a big part of your life, you know, for the last few months has been, you know, training for your half Ironman. So, I mean, there's going to be somewhat of a, that's coming up in this, like, what is it, two Two weeks? weeks. Okay. So you guys are super close to that. (laughs) Have you guys thought like, okay, of those habits and things that you have added, I feel like they've been really helpful for your guys' mental health. Can you guys touch on, you know, kind of how you guys, obviously you've made other changes throughout the year, both professionally and personally, but in terms of like pursuing some of the Ironman stuff, what are you going to keep from that moving through the end of the year? I'll speak for me. I think it's, we all know, and we've experienced just like people experience the ebbs and flows in business. Everyone has experienced that the highs and the lows and the ebbs and flows of keeping up on their physical activity, yeah. right? Like you'll get, you'll get into a gym grind or whatever your favorite thing of exercise is for two, three solid months. And then boom, out of nowhere, you'll be in a dead spot where it'll be another two months of doing absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I think this has been since March, which I think at least in my point of my life outside of, you know, 
middle school, high school, you know, where we were doing swim and water polo year round. I think this is the longest period post that time where the consistency has been there as good as it has been. And I think it's being self-aware and taking that because it's definitely hasn't been motivation, at least as of lately. It's it's transferred into discipline. It's discipline. And being able to take that and keep that to upkeep the physical health, especially after this race is done, I think that's probably the biggest, one of the bigger takeaways for me. And I think one of the biggest things we've learned is taking that motivation when it dwindles down and there's nothing left and all you've got left is discipline, being able to take that and still run with the discipline, I think has been big. Yeah. I think like confidence is built from saying you're going to do something and then doing it consistently over time. And I think, you know, with the race coming up in a couple of weeks, Cade and I are both injured. So we're both going to have to take time off to recover. Um, but finding ways to, to have stress outlets. I mean, more than anything, I've noticed that, um, when I, when I go do my workouts, it's rarely because I'm motivated to go do it. I'm usually stressed and I know that that's what I do to like de-stress. Um, you know, I'll, I'll continue probably a good chunk of the cardio that I'm doing now. Um, doing other things to help be physically better for my body. I think the amount of volume we're doing right now is probably not healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that plays a big part. Um, I've been more disciplined in, in sleeping. Um, last, last year I was not an insomniac. I was, uh, was a hypersomniac where you sleep a lot. Mm-hmm. I think I was getting eight to 12 hours of sleep, you know, and that, that wasn't like a red flag for me last year. Last year, I was like, oh, this is good. I'm re- I'm resting. I'm recovering. And I think that that actually probably wasn't as true as I would like it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, honestly, like the biggest thing um, is the social aspect. Like I've just built a lot of really good inroads with people who are positive influences. I mean, for like the easiest example is like Martin or Sean. Um, Martin is another investor. He deals with the same things we deal with. Uh, I had no real relationship with Martin prior to this. And um, by expanding and doing something kind of out of my comfort zone, it's the same way you were talking about. It, it was hard to get started. Now I'm here. Like we're playing pool this evening. Yeah. Just because it's something that we like to do. It's a way to still be doing something and have the right headspace. Coming into a Friday, I'm going to be lit up on fire because I didn't grind myself to the bone Monday through Thursday. And I think taking that into the winter will be important, you know, and I've, uh, I've also surrounded myself with really, really hard workers. Like in the last six months, the changes I made in my business just put me around what I would say are just harder worker people than what I was putting myself around strictly last year. Last year it was just me and Kate, you know, it felt a lot like it was just us. And now we've moved brokerages. We've, you know, join teams. We've done things to put ourselves around the people who are also struggling, but they seem to be struggling with a smile. And I think that's encouraging. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, those are great answers. And yeah, it, it makes me, it just makes me encouraged. I don't know. I, I've not in a um, condescending way, but it did touch my heart when you said, oh, whoops. It did touch my heart when you said like, oh, it's a little bit of like an older brother thing. I, I do view you guys in that sense. Like I'm the youngest of my family, but I feel like I've always been kind of trying to look out for people that I can be like, hey, like 
I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life, but I've had some tough experiences. I've been through some things. I, if I see things going on in your life, I'm going to try to speak to it in a loving and considerate way. So it just makes me feel really happy seeing where you guys are at, not just the successes, but just as people and in your relationships and in your personal life and the decisions you've made, like leaving a brokerage, that's a big move. Joining teams and working with other people, that's a big thing as well. Doing the Ironman training, that's really difficult. But I just feel like I've seen you guys consistently make really good decisions. Um, I mean, especially this year, I feel like really good decisions. And it you started in a place um, where I think you were discouraged and, and anxious and like stressed out where a lot of us I think were. And so that's just encouraging to me to see that you guys were in a place where you're really struggling like I had been and still consistently struggle and you've made consistently good decisions. That makes me feel really optimistic about your guys's continued success and kind of just the, the path moving forward. Yeah, I think all, I think, you know, the tide rises all ships. I think kind of your positive influence doesn't detract from your gain, right? Like yeah. you, you don't mm-hmm. get lower because other people get higher. And I think we've tried to embody what you've done for us with others. It's that that kind of spider web effect um, where we as an industry can be happier, not necessarily doing more business, but comfortable with the business that we're doing mm-hmm. and knowing that everybody here is more pleasurable to deal with. And, um, you know, transactions go smoother. Friendships last longer. Yeah, there's less backstabbing, and I think we saw a lot of that last year come from a place of insecurity. And I hope that this winter, regardless of the financial climate or the market climate, I it seems to me people are in a better headspace and more prepared for what could be coming down the pike or or could not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. You know, um, a lot of people listening don't have the four, five, six years that we all have or seven years in the industry and don't have that baseline level that you and I have talked about in the past. Like they they may actually be starting from zero. Yeah. That's a scarier place to start. When talking to those people right now, what do you feel like is the most important thing that they should be doing right now? You know, bracing for whatever insecurities or struggles they may come, you know, into in the next few months. Um, so it's, it's funny you should ask too, cause I have a friend of mine who just got into the industry from, you know, on the mortgage side. Um, so yeah, I feel like the conversations I'm having with them, uh, with people who are newer in the industry are very similar to the kind of things that we talk about, obviously in terms of like the implementation and like the, okay, here's the three things you should maybe, you know, pursue. I feel like obviously connecting with other people who are driven and are good at their jobs, are professionals, are knowledgeable, um, and just kind of good people, you know, they do business the right way. Um, I, I feel like that's the number one thing I would say is just get out and meet people, be involved, create friendships and relationships with people. That's what I feel like I tried to do when I first started. I wasn't even necessarily asking for business. I was just like, Hey, uh, I'd like to meet you. Let's have coffee. Uh, not asking for business. You don't even know me, but if I have an offer come across your desk, like you see an offer on one of your houses, like, please know that I'm a real person. I'm not an idiot. Like I actually do my due diligence. I'm good at my job. I'm a professional. So I feel like I would encourage anybody just go out and meet as many people are willing to meet you and try not to ask them for things right away. I think that's something I, I took from Gary V early on. That was one of my favorite things that I love from him was I was like, yeah, thank you. Finally, someone is not Grant Cardone. I'm sorry. 
cannot stand Grant Cardone. Cannot stand him at all. He teaches some good concepts, but as a whole, he's such a asker, such a taker, and not really much of a giver. And so I feel like if Fresno is such a nice community, I feel like there's a lot of camaraderie. There is competition, of course, but I feel like it is still kind of have some of those small town vibes with our industry, real estate as a whole. A lot of people know each other. And so if you can go make a name for yourself that you treat people fairly, you're honest, you, you know, you, if you commit to do something or you say you're going to accomplish something, you do it. And if something bad happens, you communicate it, you don't hide from it. I think those kinds of things are going to help you kind of build a good reputation. Um, so yeah, I would say meeting people, number one, I would say trying to find good education, like listening to this podcast, going to different events in town, you know, maybe your brokerage has meetings or they, you know, bring speakers in, whatever the case may be. I I think those are probably the two biggest things you can do. Um, And I think the business does flow from there. I think obviously you have to meet people and, you know, you can do social media, you can go, you know, reach out to your sphere of influence. But I would say when you're first starting out, you need to go meet other people in the industry so they know who you are, you know who they are, what's expected. And you need to make sure that as you're operating and starting out, especially, you really mind your P's and Q's and you treat each deal like it is very, very sacred because it means a lot for the clients that you're working with and it means a lot for your reputation moving forward. So if you make mistakes early on, like big mistakes and have deals blow up or you mislead or you're not the most straightforward, you kind of run from conflict or problems, I think that that is going to hurt you and it will set you back so far um, versus just trying to do business the right way and being straightforward and direct. Dude, I think that's one of the best one of the best answers and most applicable like ways to put into action for the people who might be newer or listening or like Scott had mentioned, they may not have that baseline of the past few years to really solidify them into the, you know, into these changing times and markets that we're going to be experiencing. Mm So, um, Dude, Dave, thank you. And speaking of social media, where's the best way for people to find you? Uh, so I would say, uh, my Instagram, I don't post all the time. I weirdly, I, I respect social media. I need to do more, more posting, but I would love, yeah. If someone wants to message me on social media, I'd love to grab coffee or lunch with anybody if they would want to. Um, and it's just D Keller and co like, and company. Um, that's my, my Instagram. So look me up. Yeah. Shameless plug here. David did my personal loan. He's helped a lot of my clients. I know Katie's helped a lot of your clients. He's helped my family. Yeah, helped your pops around. We have (laughs) a lot of lenders that we recommend, and this is not a shameless plug only to David, but David is here today for a reason. And I think, um, you know, if you're a newer agent um, and you're needing kind of that support group that's going to help drive your success, uh, definitely reach out to David, go grab lunch the genuine authenticity that you're seeing here on screen is, is amplified when you're in person. And I think, um, you know, with your experience, the tools that you're talking about and your, your social awareness and coaching that you've given us, um, would help, uh, amplify any newer agent. So I think definitely take them up on the, the offer for a coffee or a, a lunch reference, the podcast you'll, you'll get that set up and use uh, code podcast for free lunch. No, use code pop, pop, pop. Yeah, no, but dude, David, thank you so much for coming on. Um, we'll have to probably do a recurring theme. If, if the market does change, I think it would be really cool to have you come in and him and, and Blake on the same podcast would be wild. 
Dude, I know. Yeah, shout out uh, to Blake, who was on a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, you got connected with you know, some Reese. of the people mm-hmm. that, on the team. And um, it was funny. I was telling them the other day when I was there on Monday, I was like, I was telling Blake, I was like, dude, you and David, like the, the synergy and the energy that would happen there, like it, 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 it'd be, it'd be good. So yeah, I'd love, I'd love to meet him. Not all about business. It's more about the person behind the business. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Well, we'll see you soon. I already can tell. Thanks for having me, buddies. Dave. See you, Dave. You're the man. Appreciate it, guys. See you next week, guys.